Hello, and welcome to Hit Me in the Heart, the podcast that asks the important questions like, what's love got to do with it? I'm your bleeding heart millennial, Scott. I'm your hearty flyboy, Travis. And I'm your kind-hearted oaf, Paul. And on today's episode, uh, what are we talking about, Trav? We're going to be talking about Community, the greatest television series ever to air. And I know I said that about Please Like Me, but I actually mean it this time. (laughs) Great. class on how to write jokes. Oh, don't take that. I dropped it after the lesson on setups. The professor is so old. So many classes. I don't know what to choose. I'll give you the same advice my father gave me the night I lost my virginity. Just pick one. They all cost the same. Right, Community is a television series that started airing on NBC in 2009. It has a colored history. It was canceled a couple times, picked up. Um, The director showrunner was fired. They've had a whole bunch of different people working on the show, but it ends up being one of the hands down best, most interesting television shows ever to happen. When Community started, some of these people had careers, but after Community, even Eric, for a couple years, their careers started to explode. The biggest name was probably Chevy Chase, obviously. People know him and what whatever you think of him, he does an amazing job there. Alison Brie, she, um, she was in Mad Men. Uh, she got a huge role in BoJack Horseman. She was in the Lego movies. She eventually got her own show, Glow. Um, Ken Jeong, he was in the Hangover series. He got his own show in 2015 after um, Community End. Jillian Jacobs, she has her own series, Love, that started after Community ended. Yvette Nicole Brown, um, she had the largest role in the Avengers movies out of all of them because they were all in there and that was great. But um, she now hosts The Talking Dead um, on AMC and she is writing her own features. Jim Rash is an Oscar winner. <laughs> he uh, won an Oscar for writing the, co-writing The Departed in season three. The Descendants. The Descendants, that's it, sorry. And you might have heard of Joe and Anthony Russo. They ended up directing the Avengers movies after leaving Community. Like these, these are some pretty talented people all brought together to make a television show. And I think the soul of the show is Dan Harmon. He was the one that had the vision to bring these people together to pick them out and say like, okay, I want you and you and you. Oh, and we forgot about uh, uh, the Childish Gambino. Oh yeah. <laughs> like Donald took Glover. over music. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, these are, these are some, these are some big people. And uh, I know that, you know, Dan Harmon also has a bit of a, you know, uh, a story behind him and they fired him for the fourth season, which I will admit now. I have difficulty um, with the show because I can't watch past season three. I have. I watched season four and it broke my heart to see the show turn into absolute nonsense. Um, and I can even pick up the moment. Did you have the knowledge that season four had to change like with showrunners or did you... Or did you go yeah, into it, it knowing thing. that Dan... It was a big okay. thing. And and 
the moment, the action, because I tried to watch it. I sat down when they put it on Netflix and I tried to watch it. And the moment that this happened, it was the Halloween episode. And the Halloween episodes are some of the best episodes in community. In this particular one, in season four, they go to a haunted house and Abed makes a comment where he's watching everyone like fuddle around in the haunted house. I remember when this used to be a television show about a high, uh, about a community college and it broke my heart because that is not what Abed does. Abed is a character that uses pop culture references in order to relate to his friends, but he never breaks the fourth wall. That was a fundamental misunderstanding of the character. It just, it ruined everything. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. It is indeed the gas leak season. What I wanted to talk about specifically was the first three seasons. I can I can talk a little bit about beyond that because I did try and do the fourth season and the fifth season has um, that I, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that far, but they have one episode called like um, Meow Meow Beans where they essentially beat um, Black Mirror to the punch of one of their best episodes, Nosedive, by about two years. It's, <laughs> you know, so there's still good stuff out there and eventually I'll get there one day, but for now and season five was the one that went to to yahoo i think uh from... that was season six there was one more oh season, season five did okay. get don dan Harmon back though they eventually yep. saw that the show had fallen off a cliff and were like oh crap we need to get him back but the damage was sort of done they lost uh troy he went on to do bigger yeah, Donald things. Yeah, yeah people Donald sort of left. it does that thing where if a sitcom especially an ensemble sitcom goes on long enough people start dropping off you know I think Shirley left too in season six as well. Or yeah. give it. And why would you stay on at this point if you know if the magic is is somewhat lost and has been tainted? There's uh, yeah. there's talks that Dan Harmon gives about uh, uh, he eventually wanted to show Jeff Winger's father, and he was talking to like big celebrities in order to have like a really thoughtful story arc about it, and they screwed it because they just got some guy up the street to play him in season four and. All of the arcs of season three, all of the, you know, entire series arcs were sort of broken by that season and damage was done and whatever. Hi, I'm Jeff's dad. Hi. Hi, Hi Jeff's dad. I'm Britta's dad. What? Why? I don't know. Got drunk, didn't have a condom, and her mom gets freaky when she hears Oingo Boingo. Oh, God, I wish I could relate, but much like my son, I'm a closet homosexual. Don't apologize for that. You're talking to the guy that banged Britta's mom. I have no standards. Well, what do you say? We take a tumble. I'll put on a wig. That's it. You're under arrest. I'm an undercover cop. It's not illegal to be gay. It is here in Iran. Now when we're in the green zone. That's Iraq, stupid. Well, what do I know? I'm Jeff Weir's dumb gay dad. As somebody who's like new, new into the series, like I, my partner, he's been trying to get me into it and I've enjoyed what I've watched. But I'm so curious too, if, if, if have you watched season six and did you notice when it jumped from, I think it was NBC to Yahoo screens, like did you notice a change in content or quality then or was it? Is it pretty I, much the same? I honestly have not watched season six. I haven't even okay. made it all the way through season five because it was so strong. It, it's like reading your favorite novel and then someone changing it. <laughs> to work so hard to put so much thought into like this beautiful, beautiful series that's heartfelt, that's interesting um, to have it taken over by someone who fundamentally lacks an understanding of what these characters are trying to do is, you know, is heartbreaking. So Dan Harmon's uh, story circle technique is eight steps that he uses in I think all of his episodes are at least the most successful ones. And they're very simple. It's, you know, a character is in a familiar uh, zone. They're very comfortable. Number two, they desire something. Number three, they enter into an unfamiliar situation. 
Four, they adapt to that situation. Five, they get what they wanted. Six, they pay a heavy price for it. Seven, they return to their familiar situation. And most importantly, eight, they have changed as a result of the journey. One of the first successes uh, with this format, and uh, it's it's the Mafia movie. It's uh, season one, episode 21. It's the Chicken Finger episode. One of the things that the show does that is absolutely phenomenal is that it genre hops each week, but without ever really kind of abandoning its community college setting. And I think that's like one of the successes of the show. It reminds me a lot of Spaced, which is another series that I love because it's very small people. You know, these are people that go to a community college, but they live their lives in such big, huge, tropey ways based on the media and everything that they consume, just like real people do. They make such a big deal over such small stakes and it's weirdly compelling because it's like you know everyone's in on the fuss, everyone's in on the joke. And I think you're getting exactly to the point of what what the genius of the show is as well, and that is they know that they're doing these type of episodes. They know that they're doing a murder mystery so they can work within the sort of tropey framework to create something better. Like the reason why people loved that movie Screen was because it was a horror movie, but it knew it was a horror movie. So the characters could talk about what to avoid and you know what pratfalls that they didn't want to go in and it became sort of metatheatrical and self-referential but it became a better thing because it could subvert expectations about what you were expecting this movie to be it's self-aware yes which is a great quality in media and also in people well i think that definitely um it it helps a lot because i i, I know i enjoy breaking the fourth wall or anything that's self-referencing it when the viewer is in on the joke at a what is a seemingly higher level i think there's an enjoyment that comes from that you're like oh i know what you're talking about oh i know what this is oh i know what that references and i can go on there was one of the episodes you recommended travis i watched and i was like i know this is referencing something and i don't know what and they had like a single camera situation where it was sort of like a handheld like office style i'm trying to remember now which one it was sorry the blanket fort <laughs> maybe yeah maybe that was it the one pillows pillows and blankets it's playing <laughs> on historical documentary oh, okay i thought it was literally like some you know something that tries to play off of law and order svu or like another really popular format i thought it was doing that i didn't realize it was just sort of a generic like but but you're right it was doing that you knew the yeah. format you have seen yeah. that sort of thing before oh, yes. so you were able to with like the little twangy music in the background and them talking yeah. about you know <laughs> having a safe place for lightly grazed testicles like it's <laughs> it's it's so well done because they're aware that, okay, this is silly. We're talking about a pillow fort, but we're going to stage it as if it's literally a civil war reenactment documentary. And, and so you can have the humor within that. And even though I didn't fully get like what, which one, like if it was something specific they were talking about, I still enjoyed it. I still really enjoyed it. I was, I was in, I was in on it. I was, I was sold. So I, I like that they were able to do that, even though maybe I haven't I thought I was missing something specific. I was still enjoying what I was watching. Oh, for sure. And it didn't start that way. Like community didn't begin as a genre hopping parody, self-aware kind of thing. It starts the very first episodes, the first half season is really trying to play a very standard sitcom game, but there was nothing particularly compelling about it. And you see towards the end of the first season, they really are like, you know what? We need to spice things up a bit. Let's start, you know, let's shift this into high gear and see what crazy stuff we can do because we're probably going to get canceled anyway. And when it started <laughs> playing fast and loose like that, it started to really take off and people really sat up and noticed it. There's funny jokes at the beginning, but it doesn't really have 
you know, it's it's panache. It doesn't have its flavor until I think, yeah, that chicken figure episode where they really see like, oh, we can we can go in on this. We can we can lean hard into it. And they even uh, it's the first time Abed's like, oh, we'll make a mafia movie. And at the end of it, he acknowledges that he only really wanted it to make a mafia movie because he needed to work within that framework so that he could talk to other people. There's always one character in every sitcom that's kind of got that, which is the ability to just speak without a filter and just really lay bare, you know, the contrivances of everything and mm -hmm. and his his ability to do that with his film and TV referencing is just And wonderful. he does it in such a way that people are protecting him. Like he is the, he's the soul of the group. Part of the reason why I love this show is because they really do tackle some sort of big things. That episode where they try to uh, can't buy me love him. They, they, they try and get him to change so that a, a girl will like him because they all want him to have a girlfriend. And at the end, he just tells them, like, I don't have to change to be myself. I know who I am. I changed so that you guys could, you know, have this experience with me. But I get girls all the time because I know who I am, like every movie says. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but kind of reminds me of, like, uh, very lightly, Sheldon Cooper and, like, Big Bang Theory. Just, uh, like, from what I've seen, at least, I, I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but just you sort of that dare sorry. bring up that <laughs> show so on Bye. this podcast this is my last episode Bye. <laughs> i see what you're doing there where you know people are protective of sheldon even though he's a pain in the ass the thing with abed is he's a bit of a pain in the ass but he's also the most fun he's enjoyable yeah. like that whole uh, troy and abed thing that they discovered they didn't it's not in season one really until halfway through and then nearing into the end they found well, like that those friendship? two characters yeah their friendship they oh. you know troy was a jock he had more in common with winger than uh with abed but then they found that they could actually play together and troy's humor is very sort of childish and stupid and it's one of the best heterosexual friendships between two <laughs> men that's ever been on screen. Well, I kind of saw a little bit of that in the, the epidemiology episode where uh, Troy's oh, like, you know what? No, I'm not a geek anymore. I'm like, oh, <laughs> got to get the so girls beautiful. after we talked to Jeff. Like, it was interesting <laughs> to see that dynamic. And that's, yeah, and that's him trying to pull back into the Jeff Winger. But, you know, he has yeah. to learn something in that episode where there's more important things than getting girls or being popular or whatever. He literally yeah, like sacrifices his... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he literally sacrifices his life there or, yeah. you know, becomes a zombie in order to save the school. I don't get it. How do you do it? Well, I'm wearing a $6,000 suit and you spent three days making cardboard robot armor. You're saying they feel sorry for you. I'm saying I remind girls less of taking their little brothers to Comic-Con. The characterization in this show is so strong and so consistent. You can have an entire character arc around one joke that lasts maybe 15 seconds. How do you service eight characters, eight incredibly strong, very uniquely voiced characters in 22 minutes and give them all something to do? Not just being present in a scene, but give them a want and a need and a desire and a process and a payoff at once. You see it in that uh, epidemiology episode, the Halloween episode from season two, where it is a feature film. It has yes. a feature film soundtrack. Like it's, yes. it's they got every ABBA song and they just were able to play it. And again, it's subverting expectations, right? It's sort of like a zombie horror film, but they do what they do in Shaun of the Dead, where the fight scene is played to like Queen, except here it's played to ABBA. ABBA and 
Dean Pelton's Vo- um, voice memos Eat, love <laughs> playlist. Yeah, it's just so good. As somebody who hasn't who has only delved a little bit into into the series, the the ones that I watched and the ones that you had suggested to watch, which were great, they were all kind of like these little wrapped up mini mini movies. And I right. like especially D and D. Not to talk about that yet, but oh my god, I was just like the music and everything. I was just I was so blown away. I felt like I was I felt like I was in. I didn't need to have too much of a crazy background. I mean, it would have been nice a little bit more, obviously, to watch it from the beginning. But I just I fully enjoyed them, even though I don't have I'm not haven't been invested in the characters as much as somebody who's been watching since season one, which I felt incredible. It's hard to jump into season two of a series and and fully be immersed into a series and enjoy it and like an episode. The writing in this show is like second oh, to none. Yes, it is insane. Incredible. The, the part of me that is amazed when content creators can actually pull off a Herculean feat of difficulty in the writing and in the execution is like stunned at the level of amazingness on display for this show. Because you put these people in these absolutely ludicrous, you know, situations like Friends doesn't have a zombie apocalypse episode because it wouldn't make sense within it. But because you can do it in community, that is the opportunity for uh, Chang and uh, Shirley to get together and have sex, something they would never <laughs> have done. But it's literally the end of the yeah. world. And then that yeah. becomes a story arc for the next season and a half. It's and wonderful. you're not like, oh, this isn't this isn't the jump the shark moment. This is just like, no, this is just this episode, and like you will accept this and you will enjoy it. And and I did like right. I, even though I, I I even understood that that wasn't a likely pairing, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not a likely pairing, but they connect over a very human thing, which is like people mistaking them for something they're not. It's beautiful. Like I I won't take anything away from that. Um, uh, the D and D episode. I think it's one of no, the strongest I'm- episodes ever. And you're you're in a bad position there because you uh, you don't know the characters quite as well but I mean you don't need to yeah. it's absolutely beautiful and again about subverting expectations so you have this um, you know Pierce is obviously the villain in that episode until you realize no it's it's Winger. Winger is the one who coins Fat Neil who leads you yeah. know Neil down this path he just apologizes he tries to make it right by bringing you know this guy into the fold of their friendship and it's <sighs> so good and you have to say like the, the 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 lengths he went to to make make amends is incredible which i think neil understands at some point you know that oh my god this guy was so invested in 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 making things right that he like got all these people exactly for this. and <laughs> neil is also able to forgive pierce at the very end too saying like you yeah. you went after me you made me cry but i i pity you because I see what you're doing here. You have friends. You have this group of people that are I've only just met and you don't want to lose them. And I'm trying, you know, you see me as taking that away from me. It's, it's you know, it's not one note. They are, they are playing on multiple levels with each individual character to try and bring out something new. It's beautiful. This is my, you don't understand how good community is to people who've never watched it. They do like a clip episode of like, hey, remember that time we did this? Except all of the clips are never things that have been in the show before. They're like, remember that time we went rafting on St. Patty's Day? And then they're all like in the middle of a raft. And usually 
you do a clip episode because you want to save money, right? Like you can fill yeah. 75% of an episode with things you already yep. shot. In this, Arch- it's the opposite. <laughs> Every time they remember something, they have to go and film something different. In some cases of the montage, they went and filmed like Dean Pelton entering the study room in like 20 different costumes with 20 different things. It's <laughs> nuts. We were debating how many times per year a man can drop in a study room in a dumb costume with a relevant noose. Dean, yeah! It's Feline AIDS Awareness Day, folks, so let's whip it in the keister. Guys, Greendale's music department is flat baroque. <laughs> so we are having a fundraiser. What's Dean got to do with it? <laughs> Why, it's time to Tina Turner the clocks ahead. And they took something which is bad, like clip episodes for fans. It's not like, why are you showing me this? I know what happened in the past. This is a bad episode. And they turned it into something absolutely spectacular. Like the butt of most jokes in community are, we're in community college. (laughs) You know, none of this matters. None of this is important. We'll all move on to other things eventually. We're just here and we're killing time. And thus the insane heights of of the stakes of like the paintball episode or something just serve on on a level of ridiculousness that just makes it so easy to enjoy. Having only seen a couple episodes that this has sold me on it. Like I, I want to watch the full series now. Like I'm, I'm in. Yeah, you should be. But more than that, it's like, It's not to say that the show doesn't hit people in the heart, which is, you know, the point of the podcast is the emotional stuff. And that D&D episode, it's it's about actually the humanity that can get caught up when, you know, you're in your own world and not thinking and, you know. You make one tiny mistake and it leads to someone contemplating suicide and you have to bring that person back into your world and and try and make it better for them. I remember I was flying to Australia for the first time. And I wasn't sure what I was going to find there. And I decided to put on this show. And literally by, I was drinking a little bit, but by like the 10th episode, because it had first season, second season, I was like crying every episode because it was so good. Uh, I always cry on planes. It's the stress and anxiety (laughs) that really gets to me. The other episode that I wanted to talk about that I I got you to watch was the Christmas episode. I just recently learned that um, it was pitched to Dan Harmon. Like, oh, you're like that show Family Guy. You should do an animated episode. That would be fun. And he was like, well... I'll take that as an insult. We're not Family Guy. However, if you want to pay the budget for an animated episode, we are doing this. And then they ran with it. And I can't imagine how expensive it was to claymate a 22-minute episode. That was one of my first notes was like, I'm amazed. Having some television background, I'm like, this is very expensive. And I am shocked that they would just go from like a super low budget episode to like breaking, I'm sure, the budget. Like the budgets on those two episodes, I would love to see the difference between them. Apparently when it happened, he realized how long it was going to take. So he had to write the script (laughs) in three hours. He had three hours to put that together because they had to start working because the episode had to come. And that is one of the most beautiful episodes. It's part, you know, Christmas special, but it's also like part Willy Wonka where people just get ejected for like doing the bad things. It's also a little Wizard of (laughs) Oz. A little song that comes with them when they're disappeared. Exactly. It's great. And that one song, the, the song that he sings to Britta. Britta but programmed badly. Wires with fraying ends Functioning mad and sadly No faith in herself 
or friends. It's like, oh, here, we'll just stab you in the heart just a little bit with it. Like, this is... If you've gone on the on the journey with these characters, she was trying to, you know, help Abed, who's having, you know, a psych a psychiatric break in this episode. And is convinced that everything is claymation and thus the entire Christmas story to find the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. And then how they find the meaning of Christmas, too. He opens up a box and what is it? He finds the final DVD of Lost, <laughs> which is it's like finding the last season of Game of Thrones. It's just disappointing. It's, it's a metaphor for disappointment. The real meaning of Christmas will never be anything as exciting as the journey you go on to get there. It's a beautiful little you know, phrase about how the, the you know, the dark darkest, coldest night of the year can be the warmest and brightest so long as you have your friends and family. And Abed has this whole break at the beginning of the episode because his mother has a new family and she isn't there for him and he loses his mind over it. And then at the very end of the episode, he realizes this is my new Christmas. My new Christmas is to be with my friends yeah. and family and loved ones. Ugh. It's so beautiful. Which I, I did. I'll, uh, it's hard for me to tear up at a, a comedy, but the, it'll get me sometimes. Modern Family does it once in a while, but this one definitely. It, yeah, I teared up at the end. Community is going that extra step and saying, we're going to follow within the framework of, say, you know. The uh, Mafia movie. The Mafia movie. or um, But it's going to be chicken fingers. It's going to be chicken fingers that run the world. <laughs> we're not right. running drugs. And, it's chicken fingers and that are giving us power <laughs> and influence because we're in a community college. Right. And it doesn't matter that much. Except, of course, it matters. It matters so much. And you see and you see the amount of forethought in that. Chicken fingers episode happens in season one. In season two, Annie's boobs, the monkey that's purchased, as just a laugh, a, a simple gag in the first season, becomes a pivot character in the second series it's it's so well done taking a format and then doing something interesting with it like working within that in uh season two episode four they do an armageddon ripoff where they have to have a space launch except the 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 rocket is an old derelict kfc adventure challenge that they pull out of the trash and then try and make a space program at community college. But it's so <laughs> well done because it gets to be both, you know, a part parody of Armageddon, but it it's its own thing too. All I want to say about this series is that it is, it's beautiful. It takes these, you know, six, seven, eight characters um, from the beginning where it's just a stupid story about Jeff trying to hit on Britta to become this wholly inclusive, interesting, complex story about these individuals. Another thing we didn't talk about was just the diversity. You have, you know, a Jehovah's Witness, a Jewish person, a Muslim, you've got a Christian, you've got an atheist. It takes all of these people's stories and puts them in together and then shakes it up and does it again. Another thing we didn't talk about is the timeline episode. There's just too many good episodes to not absolutely love this series. It hits me in the heart every single time I watch it, and I've seen every episode of the first three series a hundred times. It's damn impressive. Beautiful. So, Scott, did it hit you in the heart? Yeah, I've been a massive fan of this series for a long, long time. The fact that it can do so many smart mental gymnastics of, of story and plot and character while still 
really serving a story that's easy to follow along, it's magic. It's absolute magic. And Paul? Um, absolutely, this hit me in the heart, and and more than I thought it would. Um, the D and D episode, not to keep harping on it, but that uh, it's very rare you can put you can plot me down and throw me into a series, and I'm like, I I, I want to see more of this. I absolutely, even after I watching that one, want to see more of this. And this does touch on 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 things I really enjoy, as I said, like breaking the fourth wall self-referencing uh, bottle episodes where the writing is so incredible that you don't even need to involve much external forces to make something enjoyable and that really hit it for me it, it's a it's a great series and i look forward to to watching the rest of it well i hope this has compelled everyone to watch the rest of it because it is my favorite thing all right well thank you very much for listening until next time i'm your bleeding hot millennial scott i'm your hearty flyboy travis and i'm your kind-hearted oath paul we'll catch you on the next one Thank you very much for listening to Hit Me in the Heart. You can listen to all the episodes on our website, hitmeintheheart.com, where you'll also find links to community and other bits and pieces we mentioned in today's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe to us on your platform of choice, and if you want to support us, the very best thing you can do is leave a review online wherever you listen. That helps new people find our content and make sure we can keep bringing you all the things we know you'll love. Our email is hitmeintheheartpodcast at gmail.com.